0: If you're a monogamous person, but you fall in love with someone who's not, what do you do? What is up, sapiosexuals? Thank you for turning on Sex in South Beach with your girl, Dr. Sanjaya, America's sex educator. The sex situation we are untangling is what really happens when a pretty traditional relationship person falls in love with someone who wants non-monogamy. And help us figure out this tricky situation. I want to introduce you to Adam, who is author of the recent book "Seek the Risk." Thank you, Adam, so much for being here.
1: Thank you. It's wonderful to be here.
0: Awesome. So you wrote a book about your experience of falling in love with someone who was non-monogamous and. How that really impacted your personal development—is that correct?
1: Yes, that—that's that would be an accurate representation of the story.
0: <laughs> Tell us just a little bit about you. You are a man, correct?
1: Correct. Yes.
0: And around how old are you? Are you like forty? Uh, or?
1: Very, very early fifties, and the entire book takes place as I transition through my forties.
0: Let's talk a little bit about your book, or a lot of bit about your book. <laughs> you met someone, and she was non-monogamous. Is that right?
1: I was had a dinner party at my house with uh, a few people, and the couple that came to the dinner party brought along this woman that they had picked up at a club a few weeks earlier. That they'd been having these crazy threesomes with for the past <laughs> for the past month, and that was the the Jane character in the book who I met and just instantly fell for over dinner at my apartment. Um, uh, So that's how we met. Uh, We got to know each other in the New York City clubbing scene over the next several years. I was... I was just blown away by her. She was super intelligent. She was getting a PhD from an Ivy League university. She was gorgeous. She was from Eastern Europe. Uh, She had that great accent. Um, uh, She was just someone I wanted to be with. Uh, And she had this sexual appetite and a a real reputation as being a sexual powerhouse. So I was really attracted to all these things. And I sort of set about trying to gain her favor, so to speak.
0: So you have a dinner party at your house. Your friends bring this woman who's they've been having threesomes with for a little bit, mm-hmm. and you had an instant attraction to her. And you're like, how can I, how can I get down with you? Like, how do I get Totally.
1: And, and in all fairness, we had a couple of random hookups over those three years, uh, occasionally, uh, sometimes in a taxi cab after a party once. But the real connection happened when a friend had like an adult camper weekend at his retreat in the Adirondack Mountains, about 30 of us, and she and I were both there and, and that's the weekend when we actually really got to know each other and did a, a lot of fucking. <laughs> and that's, that's when I really started falling for her at the end of that weekend. She's like, "Now don't fall for me. I'm not the kind of girl who has a boyfriend.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a challenge. Huh? Yeah.
1: Well, it, no, it wasn't that I liked a challenge. Challenges are funny. I, mean, I do like a challenge, but it, it, it wasn't just, Oh, Oh yeah. It was, I, I was, deeply attracted to this woman. We had similar tastes in art and literature and movies and interesting discussions on politics and history. Uh, We just connected on many, many levels and fantastic sex. So there was a lot of things about the connection that were incredibly positive for me in a way I hadn't really experienced before in my life.
0: Awesome. Now, when we started the show, I was like, this is a guy who was, you know, in pretty traditional relationships. And listening to you, a lot of people listening might think that, well, he wasn't that traditional. You know, he had been with in some swinging situations. He had had some threesomes. He was at this adult camping weekend. But I want to remind everybody who's listening that over a third of Americans describe their ideal relationship as some form of non-monogamy. And over 20% have said in their past, they have participated in consensual non-monogamy. So Adam's love life that he's described isn't so far from the norm of many Americans. And let me tell you one thing, during the pandemic, I found out as a mom, most of the parents in our little community, a lot of people needed to express themselves or talk to someone during the pandemic. And it happened to be uh, their neighbor, who was me. And what I (laughs) learned is, you know, I would almost say the majority of a lot of these parents were not in traditionally monogamous relationships. So I just wanted to put Adam's past relationships into context. They might sound like they're really like non-monogamous, but most people who identify publicly as a traditional monogamous relationship, I have learned through my work that many, many are not. So I just want to make sure that we're normalizing alternative types. of.
1: <laughs> yeah. You had a great interview, I think with Marla Stewart, a, a month or so ago, yeah. that, that was really great. I, I thought it was a great interview and she really expounds on all that.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. And that I'm glad that you brought that up because we have talked about non monogamy from a female's perspective. This is the first time we've had a guy um, come on and talk about his voyage into uh, this world of non monogamy. So Now we're at the end of your camping trip. And this woman who you're super attracted to is Mm -hmm. like, dude, do not fall in love with me. I don't have a man. I don't get boyfriends. That's not who I am. And tell us what happens next.
1: Well, I was that actually kind of hurt because I had I felt so connected to her after this weekend. Um, And I'm something I'm I, I take my time with things. So I was like, okay, I have to figure out. How to how to make this connection happen again? I, I was not content to just l- let it go, um, and over the next few months, I'm sort of thinking, you know, we would we would communicate a little bit on social media, and then just out of dumb luck, one of my best friends. Uh, was getting married in the small town where her university was where she was getting her phd and so i just happened to be in the neighborhood and didn't look like i was chasing her down or anything i was like hey i'm in the neighborhood for a wedding and and uh, so we connected we just had coffee after the wedding and then she's like hey you want to go fuck in the back of my friend's car in the parking lot <laughs> I was, I was like, I was like, okay, and it was amazing. It was great, but it was just like I had never met a woman with so much sex drive in my life. He came to meet me in the Schwangunk Mountains of New York, and we were supposed to climb for a day. We ended up climbing for four days, and it was four days of climbing, fucking, and working. And it was amazing. At the end of that, she asked me to come with her on a on a trip to a conference down in Mexico. Uh, And I was like, well, maybe I'll come for a day or two, but there's this great surfing spot about an hour north. Maybe maybe I'll go there. And again, just dangled the hook. She's like, oh, I want to learn how to surf. And then she ended up missing part of the conference and coming surfing with me. And by the end of that trip is when it was becoming a relationship.
0: Awesome. So now what did that relationship look like? Um, Did you guys live in the same city or...
1: No, so uh, she's still getting her her doctorate in um, in psychology uh, uh, up at a university town, and I'm living in the city. So at the end of that week in Mexico is when she finally admits, like, okay, this is this is this might be becoming a relationship, and she gives me this warning, like, look, you got to understand, I sleep with a lot of men and women, and that is not going to change. Uh, So you have to be okay with that if if we're going to hang out. She says, well, how many people have you slept with? And I said, well, about a hundred. And I asked her, I said, how many do you think you've slept with? And she was like, oh, somewhere over 500, I think. And it was just, I was like, oh my God. Uh, Yeah. So she thought my sexuality was adorable. Um, and I was thinking, I'm like, Hey, I'm this tough, masculine guy. I've been with a lot of women. I'm a sexual and I was a neophyte compared to her. Um, so entering into a relationship like that where I all of a sudden had to flip, flip it on its head on who, how I saw myself in the relationship. But she was up at school for several, for a couple more years. And I was, I was living in the city. So we'd see each other for a long weekend twice a month. And we did that, um, until, Uh, She graduated and then she moved in and things start really getting complicated for me.
0: Those are the best relationships when you guys see each other like twice a month, enough time to miss each other, right? Mm -hmm. And You come back together, you're obsessed with each other. Those are always a, a fun phase of relationships.
1: Absolutely. It also allowed me the benefit of the fact that we weren't seeing each other all the time meant that the non-monogamous a- uh, aspect of our relationship was out of sight for me, out of sight, out of mind. I could pretend it wasn't happening for those few years she was still at school because she would just do it while she was at school. And I didn't, you know, I didn't hear and right. see about I pretended it wasn't happening. But then when she moves in, it's like, okay, there's no more hiding it. How did you guys navigate that? I, I traveled a lot for work back then, about half the time. So I said, "Look, I, this is all new to me. I'm, I'm struggling with it. Obviously, uh, could you could you only do your extracurriculars when I was traveling, yeah. and when I'm home, we do everything. We only play together. We'll go have threesomes. We'll go to sex parties. Do everything, but we do it together." Um, and she was like, "Okay, I, I, I guess that's that's a reason. That's a reasonable compromise." And I, she says, "I could do it for a little while. Let's start there and see what happens." Uh, but still, I was out of sight, out of mind. I didn't want to know about it.
0: Okay, so as long as you didn't see or hear about it or wonder where she was, then you were okay with it.
1: I I wouldn't say I was okay with it. I was handling it. <laughs>
0: So, when you say handling it, like what it, when you were on your business trips, were you thinking, is she like, is she with another guy right now or a girl or is she, is she in a threesome right now? Is that what you, no,
1: I learned never to call, I learned not to call in the evenings, just only to call in the middle of the day. <laughs>
0: So you have a girlfriend, but you're like, don't call her at night. she's gonna be busy.
1: Yeah, she might be. and I you know if if she happened to be busy, I didn't want to know about it. Uh, you know, so I was really doing my my best to avert my eyes um, because I needed to. I, I still hadn't really understood jealousy. I hadn't understood all the threats to my masculinity. Um, but the problem with this arrangement is, She's a female sexuality empowerment activist. She's a sex educator. She has a, a, a PhD in psychology uh, around human sexuality. She's very public about her sexuality. So the fact that we were non-monogamous was not a private thing between us. She talked about it a lot on her social media feeds and eventually with a blog that she started during her relationship. So this added this extra level of public exposure and personal I personal shame that I was feeling around it. it created a whole new level of challenges for me and growth possibilities.
0: I see. And we can, I think everyone, um, if you're listening to this, you probably know that we do normally film our podcast, but Adam's face is not visible on the podcast. <laughs> um, he is a private person. And that was going to be my next question is within your social circle, your community, your family, your work colleagues, Um, Were you open about your relationship or were you presenting yourself and your relationships as a traditional?
1: That's actually the the, sort of the book starts out with this moment um, where uh, a certain social media platform, I get a message from a certain social media platform that says Jane has listed herself in an open relationship with you. Can you confirm that you are in an open relationship with with Jane, and so the world that I'm in—I'm in—I'm this, you know, competitive skydiver, base jumping community, extreme climbing community. Really masculine, tough uh, personalities, and this idea of, uh, of of manhood is 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 very more traditional and almost getting over to the toxic side in some level. Um, and I get this note. From the social media platform. And and this is where the title of the book comes from in terms of Seek the Risk. There's that moment where I have to choose. If I say no, she's not going to want to be with me because she's like, look, if you can't, if you're you're not willing to admit that you're with me like this, then we can't be together. But I also know if I say yes, which is what I really want to do, it is, my world is going to come apart in a lot of ways. Uh, And there was a decision point in my apartment that night where I'm like, all right, motherfucker. <laughs> this right. is how you've lived your life about seeking the risk, not the reward. You know, walk the walk here and just go for it and challenge yourself. And I clicked, yep, I'm in an open relationship. And holy cow, did my world turn upside down for a bit. My best friend came to me like the day later and he's like, you let other guys fuck your woman? You know, <laughs> it was it was, it was was very challenging for a while.
0: So tell me, one of the things that people like most about your book is that you're very Frank, you're very upfront about this about how this situation challenged your ego, your, you know, your sense of masculinity. So tell us a little bit about that um when I mean some people I think might say, you know, I'm so masculine, she can do whatever she wants or I'm so comfortable with myself, she can do whatever she wants, no one will ever live up to me and if that's what she needs, that's great. And someone else might always be thinking like, oh, my gosh, she's going to have sex with someone who is better than me. She's going to have sex with someone who Mm -hmm. has a bigger penis than me. She's going to have sex with someone who knows to go down or who knows better tricks or whatever that she's more attracted to. So a lot of men would feel really jealous if their woman was openly Saying yes, I'm doing a lot of different people whenever I feel like doing it, and my man has to deal with it.
1: Yeah, the, the very first thing you started out with there that um, uh, that I'm strong enough that oh sure she's got other options like that's where I had to get to. That is not where I started out um, when it when it first when we first got into it and we first uh, were open and I had uh, public eye on me and, and some public shame. I was, I had a lot of fear and I have a lot of discomfort and fear is a, fear is one of those emotions I I really understand very well. Um, So once the fear started, started happening, I was like, okay, let me, let me think about this jealousy in the same way that I think about fear in the extreme sports and how you have to manage it and you have to understand where it's coming from. And you have to make sure that it's not just a protect, not just purely a protection uh, mechanism uh, that, that, is there something really here you should be afraid of, or is there something you don't fully understand? Uh, so when I started getting very calculating about it is when I started uh, uh, understanding what was happening. And I began like the great thought experiment that I was in that the book basically goes through on how I was seeing all these blind spots in, in my psyche. I mean, the first thing that happens is the first thing that I uh, learned was I had an idea of what was an appropriate amount of female sexuality right. I was like, oh, yeah, I want my I want my girlfriends to be edgy and wild and a little crazy. But the reality is I'd I'd never met a woman who ever went beyond what I thought that appropriate level was. And here was someone who did. And that this female sexuality person that was so, so beyond me and almost her sexuality eclipsed mine. Wow. That was a complete blow to my own vision of my own masculinity. And I had to sort of break it down and rebuild it.
0: That's big. So by the time you were comfortable in the relationship, you're like, yeah, she can do whatever she wants because I'm Adam and nobody's going to compare to me. But when you started the relationship, it was more like, oh, I have to get to a different place. I have to develop as... As myself, I need to ask myself these questions. And why am I jealous?
1: Yeah, absolutely correct. And the beauty, I mean, non-monogamy is, is a beautiful mirror into your own soul. It, it, it really is. Um, it, it showed me some, some, some personal failings uh, of mine. It, it showed me how much I was basing my own assessment of my masculinity on how I thought other people perceived me right? I mean, I'm not a psychologist, um, but I'm guessing we all create stories in our heads about how the world sees us. And the story I was telling myself included so much around the sexuality of my female partner and whether or not I was strong enough to satisfy that sexual desire. There's an interesting interaction later in the book after I have sort of transcended and I'm talking with a good friend of mine and, and I'm asking him how it's going with his new girlfriend. And and he's like, oh, it's it's great. She's only slept with two people. She thinks I'm awesome in bed. And I was like, oh, yeah, my, my wife slept with 700. And she <laughs> thinks I'm pretty good, too. I trust her opinion on this subject.
0: <laughs> okay. And um, I have to ask, while she was sleeping with whom she wanted to, what were you doing? Were you monogamous to her? No. Were
1: you dipping no. out? Not at all. I, I was I, I was definitely having my cake and eat it too. I was exploring. I was having fun. And and in all fairness to Jane, in a non-monogamous relation, it's difficult to have balance because there's a lot more men willing to have kind of casual sex than there are women for whatever the reason, be that so, um, society's uh, culture or perhaps its nature. Um, uh she was having a lot more sex than I was. I was having yeah, a little bit here and there. I think at one point we counted she was having four times as many partners as I did. But 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 she really went out of her way when we were at sex parties. She went out of her way to sort of meet women and bring them into our fold and make sure that I was having a good time. So she was she was very appreciative of of the fact that I w- was working at this and that I was trying to to do this relationship. And and she definitely. Um, she definitely treated me well at many many times by bringing friends home for me and such. So that was fun.
0: <laughs> so that's nice. You guys would be at a party and she would see like a hot girl. She'd be like, "You know what? I think Adam would like her. So let me go pick her up and see if she wants to come home with us because I want to make him happy." Uh,
1: yeah, that, that definitely happened. <laughs> and it was great. It made it easier, it made it easier to deal with the other stuff because I I one of the, one of the strategies I talk about in the book is um, when you're dealing with fear, you think of things that aren't, that aren't, that aren't fearful, uh, that calm you down. And when I was in jealous situations with her, I'd have to remind myself, hey, wait a second, think of the threesome you had with her the other night where she, she brought Marilyn home and wow, (laughs) wasn't that fun? And you're like, yep, that's right. I, if I'm going to have one, I got to accept the other. So there was a lot of reframing and, 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 Looking at situations from different angles, which is what we do in climbing too.
0: Right, I love that. You're like, you know what? I know that she's out right now. She might be getting busy with, you know, doing what she's gonna do. But damn, she did do that for me the other night. So exactly. I'm gonna give her a little. I'm gonna give her a little leeway here.
1: <laughs> yeah, and also there's there's something incredibly wonderful about being with such a highly sexualized partner because what it means is that they are accepting of whatever weird kink or weird stuff you want to do or thoughts in your head. I didn't have to hide any part of my sexuality or no matter how weird it was, I could say, I'm thinking about this. And she'd be like, okay, let's talk about it. I didn't even have to do it, but it was, it was really freeing. There were a lot of really great benefits, even though the, the relationship itself was outright filled with some personal devastation for me. There was a lot of really beautiful things too. And I, bow- I go through that balance throughout the book.
0: I, I think I agree with you as someone, you know, who does have a profession in the world of sexual health. I do think that people feel extremely free telling me anything about their sexual desires or innermost fears or anything that has to do with sex or their kinks that they haven't explored yet because they know that I'm not going to judge them. And so if you're with someone like that, um, I imagine it would be very, very, very freeing because I'm often like out at a bar and someone tells me like everything that they have done sexually. And um, I, I feel very like, are you going to buy me a drink for this exchange? I'm glad that you have been free to unload on me. And yeah, let's see what this means. And I, it also makes me think that We do need more spaces kind of in society. Like you were lucky or unlucky, you know, you were (laughs) whatever with Jane. But we do need more safe spaces where people can explore their innermost, you know, sexual preferences and desires without judgment. I think that's really the problem with most relationships. The marriage structure in society today is that People often want to evolve or try something new, but we've sort of, society has created these acceptable or non-acceptable rules. So like, if you say that you might be cast out, you know, now you're an outcast, you're a weirdo because you said that. Mm -hmm. And then is someone really, you know, psychologically healthy? How does it impact their self-esteem if they can't even come to terms, you know, with their authentic Sexual desires, and so I I think that you grew a lot in this relationship because it gave you the opportunity to explore, you know, some of maybe the psychological issues that contribute to jealousy and oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and your sense of masculinity. Um, but it also gave you the freedom to explore anything. Sexually, you know, yeah. a- and figure it out and see whether it is something that you do or you don't want to incorporate it into your regular sexual repertoire. A- a-
1: absolutely. Um, you know, you just you, you mentioned something um, uh, few sentences back about the jealousy and, oh, and about the growth that I went through around learning and learning about my own um, failings within my own psyche. And you had an episode a while back about self-love, which I thought was really great. And what I, one of the biggest thing that I found out, uh, or not the biggest, one of the biggest thing was that the jealousy was a symptom of me not believing in myself and not valuing myself and not seeing the rich tapestry of my life you know non-monogamy forced that self-examination uh because it took away a lot of the false indicators that i had been using based on our societal norms um and you know imposter syndrome is something i had unknowingly been battling my entire life and and being with jane kind of put that on steroids <laughs> <laughs> uh because uh, i was the sexual neophyte and he uh, so I had, you know, here's the story I was telling myself that I'm this great lover and this uh, talk about arrogance. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, it's the, the, wow, what an opportunity. As I like to say, when, 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 when feelings come up, that's when the hood of the car is open. That's when you can really get into the engine and see what's making it tick.
0: Absolutely. Um, before we go, and I have some, I have tons more questions. But can you tell us a little bit about the safety part of your arrangement? Did you guys have a contract or rules like you always have to use protection or everybody has to be tested? Can you tell us how did you guys keep yourselves sexually safe while you're exploring? We, yeah. with others?
1: Uh, sure, it was. I mean, basically just safe sex. We, we didn't ask for partners to be tested, um, but most of the people in the community, we were. Heavily heavy participants in the uh, sex party community in New York City, and most people in that community get tested fairly regularly. Uh, but it was always always safe sex with any other partners besides each other, and oh. and hard and fast rule. And and her being a sex educator, that was easy. Um, so.
0: Good. I'm glad you guys were able to come to the, that, those terms. Now, I, I'm really interested. So what did your best friend say when he found out that you were in this relationship with in a non-monogamous romantic relationship? And he found out, was it through social media when you had to check? She yeah. said that she was in an open relationship and social media sent you a message asking you to confirm, are you in an open relationship, which meant you were going to have to come public. So any of your colleagues or friends or family members
1: who you were employees, anything, that's always fun.
0: (laughs) 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 So, um, Anyone who knew you was now going to know that you were in an open relationship. That would probably make a great next, like, you know, a work dinner. Everyone's like, oh, I can't wait till Adam gets here. I can't wait till Adam gets
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: That girl who slept with 700 guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's so what what was interesting first is that prior to that coming out, so to speak, right, everyone had been like, oh, my God, you you hit the jackpot, smart, beautiful, speaks five five languages. She's amazing. You know, my regular life didn't know about her crazy (laughs) underworld life. And then when they did her value just like disappeared with them. It was amazing. Um, And I was it opened my eyes to these these sexist tropes or whatever they are that we have in a society about about female sexuality and what value is and and you know like i said my best friend comes to me and he says wait you let other guys fuck your woman <laughs> and i was like listen i don't let her i don't let other guys fuck her or she or her fuck other guys anymore than i let her be female uh, you know it's, it's just who she is and i swear like every conversation with everyone in my sporting world or even in, in my friend world is always like so i I saw you're in an open relationship uh like i don't understand how you can do that it, it it dominated my life for a good few months every conversation seemed to start with that every dinner party was like oh oh you're you're the guy in the open relationship i mean so this is this is 2009 mind you so the, the um attitudes hadn't quite gotten where they are today
0: Right. I can understand that because everyone thinks I always want to be introduced as a sexologist and then at a party. And I'm like, no, not just (laughs) (laughs) Sanjaya. And then you watch all the eyes go open, you know, it can sort of trivialize your relationship with people. And what I thought was most interesting about what you just said is that society and people, even people who really know us and love us, they will judge you harshly if you participate in sexual behaviors that they don't. And they might even want to participate in those same sexual behaviors, but because they haven't explored them or because they've successfully, if you can even attach that to the word repressed, but because they've successfully repressed their desires Or maybe they just cheated and didn't let their partner know that they were actually (laughs) with other people, which is pretty common. Um, But um, once someone figures out that you or your woman is doing something sexually that irks them, they're like, they X you out. Like you just went and murdered somebody. And you're like, look, I just let her have the type of sex that she wants. You think like I should send her to jail? (laughs)
1: yeah it's actually I I saw people get angry sometimes and I I think it I I wondered if it was because it threatened the bedrock of what they considered was acceptable in life and now all of a sudden they're finding out there are other options and maybe that makes them feel unstable in their relationship I I wondered there there was a lot of um anger at that anger might be too strong a word but there was resistance without a doubt but I, I will say this: so um, about my friend who once said he's one of my best friends, and then just recently, when the book's getting ready to come out, and, you know, my friends all knew I was writing the book, and we were on our way to go to a climb or s- snowboarding or something, and and we were talking about the book, and he finally said, you know, I wish I I, I wish I really would love to be able to sleep with other women, but I could never handle my wife sleeping with another man. And then he looks at me and he goes, you're a you're a far stronger man than I am. And it was like, wow, that felt really good. see he, he had transcended, right? It's t- he still was never going to choose it, but he could respect, he could respect it. And, and that's why he's one of my best friends because I love the guy and he's really smart. And eventually he starts thinking about things intelligently and it was great.
0: And you said a really important thing. And I think that example demonstrated, it's like, Um, Your friend decided to consider it, really really think about this, and came to terms with, like, wow, his ego must be so strong, like, his sense of masculinity, his self-confidence, his his self-worth, like, man, I wish I had that kind of, you know, like that's the good stuff. Um, and people change, you can't force people to change, you know, people decide to change on their own terms. And I think that's what happened. It sounds like that's what happened with your friend. He decided, you know, so now if he has kids or whatever, or another friend or a neighbor, um, is exploring a non-monogamous, a non-monogamous type of relationship he wouldn't be the type of neighbor or, you know, parent to just shut them down. He might be someone who could, you know, actually be accepting of that. And I think that's pretty cool because it has nothing Uh, to do
1: with either. yeah, Right. And it shows, it also illustrated to me how, how Jane's, Value system in terms of no, this is public because I mean, she's a sex educator and she's like, No, I'm public because I need people to, I need, I need this to start being normal that people are different. We can't keep hiding about sex. So, in moments, and most of my friends came around actually, and some even became non monogamous, which is pretty funny. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a story in the book, uh, you know, a little vignette about, uh, one of my partners um female um sex party playmates uh who played with jane and i a lot she came out to visit us in colorado and and she was like do you know any nice guys i could fuck for the weekend and i had a climbing buddy who was monogamous at the time and i was like oh yay but he was single i was like oh you guys should should hook up so i hooked them up and they just fucked all weekend and 5 years later they are still together and totally non-monogamous now and they go to uh, swinger clubs together and it's it was yeah he transcended it was it was remarkable
0: wow that's a great story that's a very <laughs> so tell us about your sex life now so you are you are not with Jane you and Jane did not stay together but it wasn't because of the non-monogamy issue or was it
1: well, I mean, it, it, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the non-monogamy. You know, everyone, everyone likes to ah, I knew that non-monogamy wouldn't thing wouldn't work. And I was like, come on, half of monogamous marriages end too. Does that mean those don't work too? Uh, um, that monogamy doesn't work. They they both fail. Uh, no, we we decided to part ways. The book is interesting in, in that I used the non-monogamy to really, like I said, turn the mirror in, inward and and find out a lot of things about myself that were obscuring obscuring my vision of what was really happening in the relationship. And and once I transcended and, and we got into this great, there's a, a chapter in the book, um, Hitting My Stride, which after I've kind of gone through everything and she and I are just having the best life for a few years, we were just, everything was we were going on climbing trips, surfing trips, we were going to sex parties, we were having all kinds of threesomes and for some, it was just, we were having an amazing life, but she didn't have a lot of intimacy. And as the relationship progressed, I started realizing that I was missing that intimacy um, and reached a point where the the things that I wanted in the relationship didn't match where she wanted. And and we ended up parting ways, but we are the best of friends. And she helped immeasurably with this book and was ecstatic that I was writing it since she's a sex educator.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Now let's talk just briefly about intimacy. When you say, because intimacy is a tricky word. Mm -hmm. I have this event that I do in South Beach called Date Night Special. And we take couples out one night to help them fall in love and lust again with scientifically proven experiments that we help facilitate. So One time, a guy said, you know, for 16 years, I've been married to this woman. And until tonight, I had no idea what she meant when she said she wanted more intimacy in the relationship. And that was really, really cool for me to hear that they came to terms on what she needed to improve their sex life. I'd be very interested when you say you need more intimacy as a man. Most men, you don't hear that a lot, that... I'm a man and I need more intimacy from my romantic relationship. Tell us a little bit about what you were looking for. Uh,
1: initially, the the um, arrangement we had is that she would only start, she would only play with other men in a one-on-one situation when I was out of town. Uh, eventually, after the Hitting My Stride chapter, we're having this great life at the end of that Couple of years, she's like, "Look, I, I I would need I need you to start relaxing that rule. I'm ready to take it to the next level," and I was like, "Oh, okay, you're right. It was always meant as a temporary thing." So we did. We relaxed the rule, and she started going on dates when I was home, and it ended up being not that big a deal at all. Uh, partly because of all the self love that I had learned, and I wasn't threatened by it, and I had transcended, and it was great, and everything was wonderful. Um, but it started happening more and more and more. And I started missing my partner. We stopped going on trips together. Uh, We stopped going out together. You know, I was only home two, three weeks at a time. And I felt like I was fighting for her attention. And I was giving her all of me, but she was no longer giving me uh, all of her. And that's what I mean by intimacy. I I, I didn't, I felt like my partner was, I was not the priority anymore. Um, And that- that wasn't acceptable to me.
0: Right, well said. And I think anybody in a relationship with anyone, in a romantic relationship, you have to let your primary partner know that they are primary. They are, <laughs> don't give your other partners the same. Um, you know, your primary partner is still the person who you need to be there for. And even in monogamous relationships, I think it's really easy for people to forget that their partner's needs really should come pretty high on that priority list. You know, there may be times when we have to leave work early or we don't go out with our friends or we don't go on a trip because our partner really needs us at this moment. And even though it might be inconvenient, the beauty of relationships that work is that you are able to prioritize your partner's needs and be there for them, and vice versa. So, tell us a little bit about your relationships today. Are you still non-monogamous? Are you in a relationship? What's going on? Uh,
1: I, I have, I have friends. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not particularly in a relationship at the moment. I've been single for a number of years. We ended up breaking up right before the pandemic, and then. Um, after the first year, which was really, really tough um, for a couple of reasons, breakup and pandemic, I, I started writing and I, I kind of dove full tilt into the writing and didn't have a lot of space for, my, for much else. Uh, but now I am I, I I have a couple friends that that I see more often than I don't. And uh, we're, we're we're figuring that out. Uh, that's where I am right now. I, I I'm, I'm in New York Um, not sure where I'm going to be due to some work stuff. So I I don't really have a good answer for you other than I'm, I am sitting firmly in singledom right now, which is a a term I've recently heard, which is you're basically in love with yourself. Your primary relationship is with yourself right now. And yes, I have intimacy with other people and some people I've known a very, very long time. Um, And that's wonderful when it happens, but it's, it's, it's not it's not a steady, a steady thing. So I'm in singledom right now. I could never do monogamy long term. It's I get too much joy out of playing with another body. it's it's and it's also it's kind of great to see someone new appreciate you and appreciate who you are. and it, it's those are things that I would hate to miss out on in life. So yeah, I would not call myself monogamous. I can if my ideal situation is open monogamy, one partner, one romantic partner, but you know, a little fun on the side here and there.
0: I hear you. Nothing like the first time, right? I, was like, idea the spice of life. <laughs> I am always recommending role playing for that reason. Mm-hmm. I know when I first, yeah, when I first got married, I, I think probably that was when, you know, when my husband tried to decided to propose. I was like, I had introduced him to four different characters. He was like, oh, my God, and they're all her. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I went all out. I have wigs, the whole outfits, accents, you know.
1: You're like Mystique from from the X-Men. It's like it could be a different girl every night. (laughs)
0: Exactly. This was so much fun. Everybody, if this conversation interests you, you really need to go check out Adam's book, Seek the Risk. And you know what time it is. It is time for your climax where I give you a little something, something to remember about Non-monogamy, seek the risk. One, female sexuality is diverse. Adam said he really had this idea of what is appropriate for female sexuality and became attracted to someone who didn't fit within any of those ideals. And so he really challenged himself by being in a non-monogamous relationship. It really challenged his idea of what is or isn't okay for female sexuality and brought to light for him that we have a lot of judgment. You know, we have these expectations that female sexuality should fit into a box, but being in a non-monogamous relationship, Adam learned that female sexuality is diverse and you can have a highly intelligent, sensual woman who has slept with 700 men plus and still fall madly in love with her and want to be in a committed relationship. Two, non-monogamy is a beautiful mirror into your own soul. (laughs) I loved that you said that, Adam, because you really have to dive deep when your partner is out there sleeping with a lot of different people and you have to ask yourself, Why am I jealous? Why am I upset about this? This is something I agreed to. What does this say about my own self-worth if I'm not okay with them just doing what they want? And I think the reality is people do what they want, not to hurt you, but because they want to do it. And so if you are going to be in a non-monogamous relationship, remember that non-monogamy is a beautiful mirror into your own soul. Um, And three... People judge people harshly based on their sex behaviors. (laughs) I mean, Adam coming out as being in an open relationship challenged his friends. You know, it was, oh, it challenged, you know, uh, his ideas. It challenged the ideas of his colleagues about him. For years, every conversation was about non-monogamy. And what's even... More critical is the woman who Adam was with, who everyone had decided was so beautiful, so smart. Once they learned that she was non-monogamous, they were like, "Ugh, no, that she's bad." <laughs> like she became a bad person <laughs> the whole time yeah. because she didn't fit into their ideas or into their sexual norms. Um, and I think number four is that people change on their own terms. And exposing people to non-monogamy from a non-judgmental way. And I think it was so beautiful. And it is beautiful. What Adam's book does, it's like, you don't have to agree with this. You don't have to get down with this. You don't have to practice this. But I'm going to share my story. And maybe through opening your mind and trying to understand my perspective, You will also be able to appreciate that, you know what, there's some really good people out there who might not have the same sex behaviors as me, but I still respect them and I still honor them as a whole being. And if you want to learn more about the story one more time, you got to go get Seek the Risk by Adam. It's on Amazon. The reviews are great. And thank you so much for being with us. For your daily dose of Nookie knowledge, check me out on all the social media networks. That's Dr. Sanjaya, D-R-S-O-N-J-I-A on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. Come on, baby. You know you want to link up. <laughs> Guys, I had so much fun chatting with you and Adam about consensual non-monogamy and seeking the risk, trying to be part of one of these extraordinary relationships that really challenge your self-worth. And I can't wait to see you again. Thank you so much for tuning into Sex and South Beach, where Everyone comes for a happier, healthier sex. Have you tried Sense Aromatherapy Body Oil? This organic moisturizer hydrates skin, smells amazing, and attracts romantic attention. Plus, Sense naturally stops mosquitoes from biting your beautiful body. Because being eaten should feel good, smell good, feel good. With Sense Aromatherapy Body Oil, get yours on Amazon or sensebodyoil.com. S E N S E bodyoil.com.